Hello, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. My name is Cosmos Dar, and this is Extraordinary America. What is Extraordinary America? Well, you see, America has always been about freedom, opportunity, and the pursuit of happiness. However, most Americans are not free when it comes to the financial front. Most Americans are suffering from financial slavery due to loss of jobs, stagnant wages, inflation, and debt. Wealth and income inequality is the norm now, and the middle class has all but disappeared. So Extraordinary America is about the abolition of financial slavery. It is about the financial freedom of the 99%. It is about the nation of immigrants and the descendant of immigrants restoring the extraordinary within themselves and setting themselves free. The path to financial freedom is through financialist education. It is through becoming entrepreneurs and investors on the light side. In this podcast, I interview fellow Americans who fought against the odds. Many of them came from humble beginnings to see how they did it. It is my hope through these interviews that the extraordinary within you shall awaken and that you will abolish financial slavery from your life and realize the American dream. Once again, welcome to Extraordinary America. Hello, my fellow Extraordinary Americans. Welcome back to the show. For today's guest, we have David Carter. David Carter is an ex-NFL player who played in the teams such as the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys. He's also, at this point, an entrepreneur and a coach. He has this college-accredited course called The Game Within the Game, which he's done with another person that I've interviewed on the show, Reggie. Uh, Reggie Walker is also another NFL player. And he's also, uh, he's, uh, he, he also has this course called the top at life, which basically teaches you how to be the top athlete in your own life, uh, uh, whether you're like an entrepreneur or you're an engineer or a doctor, and that it basically teaches you the top 1%, uh, how the top 1%ers think and how to apply it. And since he's been in the NFL, he thinks like that. And then I think that that's pretty awesome, right? Uh, David has gone through like a tough childhood. And in spite of that, he has succeeded in spite of all the odds to go into college football and NFL and all of that. And he has the mindset and the thoughts and actions necessary to be an extraordinary American. So I'm glad to introduce David Carter on the show. Uh, David, are you there? Hey, yeah. How you doing, man? Hey, all David. Right. Glad to have you on the show. Um, yeah. So glad to so be David, here. Uh, yeah. Um, I know that you are you're an NFL, you have been an NFL player. You played at the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you're also like an entrepreneur and right now. You're also like a coach. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got started and like, uh, how, how all of this came to be? Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I came up in Los Angeles, California is where I grew up. It wasn't necessarily like the best area. It was a very, very violent area. Like they made movies about how bad it was, uh, about how bad it is. And it's changing. But, um, you know, uh, football was a way. My parents put me in football to keep me out of that, that environment, the, you know, the gang life environment, things like that. Like, because even if you weren't or trying to be a part of it, like it would find you some sort of way unless you had extracurricular activities to to keep to to take your time away from you know just being a kid playing outside because that's the kind of the place where i grew up is like you know there's drive-by shootings there's a lot of gangs in the area and they recruit kids you know to be a part of the gangs they would pressure them and with like hey you like if you don't be a part of our gang we're going to hurt you or hurt one of your family members 
you know, um, you know, there were a lot of drug houses and stuff in the area, like right across the street where I live, there was, you know, a crack house that would get raided like every month. <laughs> you know, it was just, just crazy. There were bullet holes in my house just from drive-bys. Um, the, the first time, you know, I had a gun pointed in my face, I was in the fourth grade and I was waiting at my bus stop at the, at Crenshaw High School and some dude drove up and you know, he was getting taken by the police and he pointed the gun at me to like, if you, if you don't let me go, I'm going to shoot him. If you don't let me go, I'm going to shoot him. And then they, the police ended up arresting him and I ran off. Like, ah, I almost died. Ah. It was crazy. But so to the point is like, yeah, um, it wasn't the best area, but, uh, you know, luckily my parents, you know, they, they they did the things that kept me, my brother and sister out of out of that environment, and they really educated us and instilled a great foundation in us. And um, and and so you know that was great. You know, education was key for them. You know, and um, and and you know, doing something with yourself and presentation and all that stuff was good. Is is big for them. So, um, you know, um, that so football became a big part of my life that way. And I, you know, my brother and I, my brother played. Football played football too and um you know we came up playing football together and we ended up getting scholarships we we created a little group that we called the lab right it was headed up by coach miller it was our friend who pretty much is our cousin elanye miller he came over to the high school and his dad was a coach right and he uh, coached him up for running back and we just created like a little community where it was just like about eight of us, nine of not eight or 10 of us. And we would, you know, every day after school, we would go and, tra and, and train for three hours. And then we would go study for three or we would study for three hours. And then we would go train for three hours. So we recruited our math teacher to come and, and coach us up and, and math and stuff like that. So we would get better um, because, you know, we needed to put grades just as a, you know, as high on the list as we wanted to play football, which, you know, the game that we love. So we did that. And then, from that group, you know, other people started coming in from other schools and we all ended up training together. And then, you know, a lot of the people from that group ended up getting like scholarships to division one schools. And it wasn't anything like we weren't trying to like monetize it. It was just like a community, just like a meetup. And we did that. And like, 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 let's see, it was me and my brother, Lanier, Tito, um, uh, Deuce, uh, Joshua, so it was like eight of us got the, got scholarships to go play football. So our school was paid for to go play football at these schools. And I ended up going to UCLA. My brother ended up going to Fresno. And, you know, I'm not going to go down the list. But then also from that group, because of that mindset and, you know, the discipline that we were, that we just built in that group together. Also from that group, a number of us went to go play professionally as well, like three or four of us. No. One, two, three, four, five. So like five of us ended up going playing professionally as well. And so that's how that happened to me. And, you know, me and my, my little brother, he's one of the guys in that group. He ended up playing professionally as well. We and him got drafted on the same day to the NSL. So he went to the Pittsburgh Steelers and I went to the Arizona Cardinals. And then so that's how that worked out. And then, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of my story. But, oh, and yeah, I mean, and there's more to it. While I was in the NFL, I was a nose tackle. I was 320 pounds. And um, it's kind of like the spin on my story. 
I was 320 pound nose tackle. And then, you know, I was dealing with, I was in my early 20s dealing with like high blood pressure, tendinitis, because you're not supposed to be that big naturally. Not me, not my frame at least, right? And so I went vegan in the middle of my career and figured out how to get, uh, I lost some weight, but then I figured out how to put the weight back on to be 320 pounds as a vegan, meaning no meat, no, no dairy, no eggs, no fish, none of that, you know, just vegetables and grains and legumes and things like that. And, um, you know, then the whole big thing started and I started becoming a spokesperson for the plant-based community, vegan community, uh, and then started producing documentaries that are on Netflix. One is called the game, the game changers with, um, you know, yeah, just a lot of people. James Cameron is also on that. And then you have Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, Bill Clinton is a, and a whole bunch of professional athletes. And, and then, uh, what the health is also on Netflix also. And I'm in that one. And so, and then from there, that sort of, you know, after football, that's where my whole entrepreneurial, you know, journey started. And then I, I guess I'll just save that for later in the interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so how long have you been playing football for? So I've been playing football. I started playing flag football when I was like seven, six, seven years old. So I started then. And it was just like, you know, like, like I said, just to keep me and my brother in a, you know, do seven is doing something fun and not being in that environment. And then, uh, so playing since I was six or seven, and then I stopped playing when I was 27. So yeah, 20, 27, 28, 27. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. that's That's a long career. I mean, I don't know if you really count the Pop Warner, you know, like, well, you count Pop Warner, but like flag football, I don't know if anybody really counts. <laughs> but yeah. So, but, you know, football is a great tool. It's a great, it was a great tool and stepping stone to, you know, what I learned, right? Just about being on a team and understanding, you know, how to evaluate yourself you know, be critical, be, uh, you know, constructively critical of yourself in a way that's productive. Right. Um, and, and working with others and, and understanding also being able to, what are your, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and how developing those, how to develop those things to be better? Because in football, it's, uh, like, uh, like in business, you know, how they use when you're doing research and research and development, uh, the build, measure, learn feedback loop. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, with in, in sports, it's the same thing. You know, you 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 watch your film. You know, you you get ready. Yes, the beginning of the week, Monday, whatever. You're getting ready for the next game that you play on Sunday. You got to evaluate your opponent. You have to evaluate yourself. You have to see what are you doing wrong. What are you giving away that your opponent can use against you, right? What are you know what what can you what you know. And and you got to make the improvements on that, and you have to make those adjustments on the fly, and so and and then perform that within the next seven days, right? You only got seven days to get ready for it to do this on stage in front of thousands, depending or depending on what state you know level you're at, millions of people, right? So it's you know I I really appreciate that, and then also just the you know being a part of the community and the network of that as well. It was, a, that was amazing. And, um, yeah. So, 
So, David, what, uh, like, you know, uh, you went through a lot of negativity in your childhood and adolescence, and there was a, there was a lot of like pushback, like what drove you and motivated you to succeed and become the top at what you do in spite of all the negativity and pushback that was out there? I guess, I guess haters have always been an inspiration for me, you know, like we're <laughs> so just like, like, oh, you think I can't do it? All right. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and because I've always been a big believer of myself, right? And so, and, and, and understanding and understanding that. And also, you know, I wanted to do, I, I, you know, I, I love football. I love the game of football, right? The business of football is different. That's a whole different animal, right? And the political side of things, the game of football, I loved it. And, and it really, you know, it was football. It just turned out not only it was like, oh yeah, people were like, oh, you can't do it. Or you're not that you're not good enough. Like people are, oh, it doesn't matter what you do. People are always going to say that, right? Like, you can be done being on your, whatever your entrepreneurial endeavor is. People are never going to see your vision the way you see your vision. And that's just something that you have to accept of life. And, but with football, it was for me, it was a, it was a way to, you know, the stress of life, right? Like life is hard. Like everything wasn't great, right? Like, did I have a good family? Yes. And, you know, but there was just other stressors in life where, you know, you know, like it's 20, like where it's 2022 right now. And, you know, there's a lot of things that the communication and mental health that, you know, I didn't have, you know, uh, when I was growing up and, you know, looking back on that now and just seeing it's just like when I, you know, I didn't know how to communicate the way that I communicated was on the field. Right. And it was a way for me to release the anger and release, um, and, and, and release stress and not get in trouble for it. <laughs> so, cause like off the field, I'm a very nice guy. I'm a, I'm a teddy bear, but on the field, it's just like, I turned into just like a, an animal. I was, <laughs> and I was just go crazy. Like Reggie will tell you about it. Like, man, David is a nice guy, but on the field, he's crazy. I'm glad he's on my team. <laughs> like, that's, a lot of guys, that's a lot of guys will say that. And so like, <laughs> um, and they're like, I'm, I'm glad he's in front of me, man, because I know he's gonna he's a, he's gonna scrap, he's gonna fight, like, and so, like, and that was that was my mentality on the field. It's just like and my brother, you know, he like telling me the same thing. He was just like, man, you know, when you're on the field, just put everything in the backpack, leave it on the side of the field, and when you get on the field, just go play. And then that's what I would do. I would just play. it was like my alter ego, and so you know, and that was a great uh, great thing for me with football. So yeah. So what was your overall arching vision and goal when it came to uh, your career uh, playing football? Um, just, you know, make it as long as I could, you know, and, um, and, and, and play my best, you know, cause I, I, I got, I'm and and just be a, just be a valuable asset because I wasn't a high draft pick, right? I was a six round draft pick. They didn't think I was going to get drafted at all, but I played very well in the senior bowl game and I got best player on the West team. Um, or not, and, yeah, it was a senior, yeah, senior bowl or yeah, yeah, East West Shrine game. I think nothing really. I played very well in the East West Shrine game and I got best player on the West team. Me and my brother, actually, we both got the best players on that team. Uh, and they interviewed, it was great. It was dope. And uh, I ended up getting drafted from there. 
Um, and, you know, I, I realized that, you know, like when I played, I was a defensive lineman, but I was, I was playing nose tackle, but I was an undersized nose tackle, right? And usually nose tackles are 300 and 330 pounds to 360 pounds. And when I came into the NFL, I was 290 pounds, right? And I didn't get to be 320 pounds until after I went vegan, right? Which is funny. And, um, and then, um, so, you know, my, my role, I was like a, I was a versatile player. I played the nose tackle position and that's actually the first position I started in, even though I was undersized. I started in my rookie year at that position, but I also played all the other positions on the defensive line, the DN, the three technique. And so my my strength was my versatility. Not only was I able to play there, I was able to play special teams. So that gave me a spot on the team and, and playing in the 53 because not only was I a key, ba- uh, a key backup for the defensive line, I was also a part of the special teams and one of the only big guys who could run fast enough to play on the special teams and, and move. So, you know, that was a blessing. And, uh, and so my goal was to just, at that point, I, it was a survival game because, you know, I wasn't a high draft pick. So naturally, like I was saying in the, in the politics side of it, you can ball out and do all that, but, you know, they're going to they're gonna play who they pay in the NFL because they're financially obligated to do so, right? And they have all these resources. So really, it was just like, in the NFL, once I got to the NFL, when, before I got to the NFL, I was like, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to ball and I'm going to play. And that was before I understood the business side of things. And then it was like, let me understand this business side of things and last as long as I can and do this. And so, um, yeah, when I went before getting into the NFL, it was like, yeah, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to ball. And then when I got to the NFL, it was like, let me understand the political side of things and understand how to do the inner workings of this because the guys who understand that are the guys who last the longest. You don't even have to be the highest paid player in the game is, is that. And then, and that's what Reggie understood a lot more than me at a, at a, uh, at a fast, I mean, at, you know, at an earlier level in his career. And it really did a lot for him in his journey. And he played for seven years and left because only he wanted to do so. Right. It was not, it's not necessarily about the talent. It's about the politics, about who you know and connections. And the, and the, yeah. and the next level is, it's, yeah, it's, it is how you play. Right. But it is also, it's, it's the who you, it's a who you know game. Right. It's like you got to get in there and get chummy with the coaches, you know, because the coaches got to know that they can depend on you to, to do what it is in, in that way. But also you're smart enough and intelligent enough to do these things. Right. And, and, and that you're easy to work with because it's like, even with the coaches, it's like the, it's like a, you know, it's a, it's a who, you know, game and it's a, and what you know, and do you know how to work the system well enough? Cause if you don't, then the system's going to work you. And then even in the NFL, the same politics and the same things apply. Like it's, a, it's a business. I mean, think about it. Like they're paying these guys minimum. $350,000 a year for a rookie contract, right? He's probably higher than that. But like, it's a business. And so that's what you gotta, you have to understand. And, and you know, and, and it's great now because a lot of guys are, are understanding that and it's and, uh, at an earlier age, 
you know, in high school, especially because of the name, image, and likeness deals that they're doing with the college athletes where they can sell their name and their image and their likeness and make money for, you know, through brands and things like that, uh, sponsorship deals. And so it's a, the tide is turning because there's an information, uh, uh, you know, a knowledge download that people are starting to get and understand the business side of things as well, because, you know, you know, social media, everything's changing everything now. So uh, knowledge is way, which is readily available. I see. So David, what was the biggest lesson you learned over the years, like playing college football and also in the NFL? The biggest thing that I learned playing college football was like one, just time management. And then, uh, man, just like the, the biggest thing that I learned really going from college football and then the NFL is that college is not the real world, <laughs> especially when you're playing football. And then when you go to the NFL, it's like, oh, the real world. <laughs> and then you got to get ready for it. And like, I'm grateful for that because it really made me hyper vigilant um, to, to, to know what's around. And then it, it made me, it made me very resourceful because, you know, just kind of just being plunged into that environment and being plunged into that space. So, um, that was really good for me. And, and, um, you know, it really made me, um, you know, start realizing like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to build myself in this space? Right. Cause there's a, building myself from college to the NFL. Those are two different environments at college. I didn't even know if I was going to make it to the NFL. When I got to the NFL, it was got all, I was all this, this information and all this stuff that I just did not know. I didn't know that I didn't know. Right. And, you know, that was the hardest thing for me, not knowing what I didn't know. I wish I had surrounded myself with more mentors um, at a younger age and and really started to seek that that it because it, I, you know, seek the information that I needed or and knew more of myself and knew who I was in college. And so that I could start seeking those answers. You know, I didn't ask myself those deep questions in college. And I, re- and I you know, I mean, it was, that was what it was then. But I, I'm glad that, you know, I was able to, at, at some point in my journey, you know, ask those questions and surround myself with those resources and that information to make that happen. Awesome. So what was the biggest challenge you had to face during your years in like the college football and the NFL combined together? The hardest situ the hardest situation, yeah, like biggest challenge you had to face, and how did you overcome it? Learning how to transition, right? Because you know that was the thing is just like I wasn't sure because football is so time intensive, and then school. You know, I went to UCLA. School was a lot. You know, it was hard to do to balance school at a, at UCLA, which is a prestigious university, and playing football at the same time and doing, you know, balancing life. So that's, that's like two football, uh, that's like two full-time jobs in life. And it was a bit overwhelming for me. And then, so, you know, you kind of lose yourself in, in all of that activity, right? And so um, 
like I said, like the hardest thing was, you know, building myself up to with the tools and the perspective and the the knowledge and the information to to transition correctly, right? And so I didn't know that the first time, you know, college to the NFL was different because I was just kind of there. It just kind of happened, and I was like, all right, cool. But then, you know, going college into, the, I mean, after NFL to after real life, you know, going into real life, it was different because, you know, my identity has completely changed, right? Like, I'm not playing football anymore, right? Like, I don't have a set schedule anymore. So I had to really do an identity check, like a self-check within myself and really figure out, like, okay, this is a pivot. I'm pivoting. I'm transitioning in my life. And, all right, do a, do a you know, do a, a you know, a, you know, itinerary check or not, do, do a, you know, do it, check my list off. Like, all right, this is what I have. These are my skills. These are my resources. Um, this is the direction. What do I see myself doing for the rest of my life? All right, what's my business plan? What's my strategy to do that? And, you know, I found myself doing a bunch of different things, <laughs> right? At one point, because I was trying to figure myself out. I went, I started doing production. Um, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I started doing production with, uh, you know, uh, with the movie, with the movies and started doing documentaries. And I had already started transitioning from with the whole uh, plant-based spokesperson, uh, being a being a spokesperson, doing public speaking. And, you know, I was speaking at a bunch of universities and other documentaries and stuff like that. But I still felt as if, you know, this isn't what I want to do with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> like, this isn't what I'm not like, you know, like, it's cool, but I don't feel passionate about this. You know, and I was, then I went and I was doing production for music events and music festivals, right? And working with the city in, in New York. And I was doing events with, you know, Erica Badu and Anderson Pop and a, a bunch of other music artists, you know, Q-Tip, Most Def, Talib, Kweli, I was doing that in New York City. And, you know, that was cool. And I might even go back and revisit that. But I didn't think, you know, at the time it wasn't, I wasn't fully prepared to do it I, all the way. I did it. I did. We did like five events, but I just wasn't ready to take that to the next level there. And then, you know, it was really trying to find myself in that time and and and, and find out what I wanted to do. And I would say like that was the the hardest thing was like really doing that. And, you know, it was a, uh, it was fun. Like, you know, it, it's, it was hard and it was fun. Like I was really like really recreating myself in that pivot. And, um, but, and that's where, you know, it, it found me, that's why I'm doing, you know, now what I'm doing today, which, which is the coaching because understanding what that strategy is like putting together the strategy, having that strategy and, understanding who you are, understanding your why, understanding your strengths and your resources, that really makes all the difference because then you're able to set a structure. You're able to look and take it, um, you know, take, you know, take note of what it is that you want, put it up on the grease board, paint your picture, and then start walking in that direction that you want to be in it and, and thriving in that. Because, you know, instead of, hitting your head on the wall a bunch of times, like, you know, I did. And I'm glad I did it because that was just really, and then that's any entrepreneur, that's the common entrepreneur's journey, right? 
but just having more strategy and, and having some things to understand, like, okay, you got to know how to look at it this way. You got to know that you got to know how to position yourself. You got to know how to work with the people around you. You got to know your why, you know, because if you don't know your why, like I was telling you earlier with the, with the documentary stuff and all this stuff, I was like, oh, this is, yeah, I'm good at it. I did it. It's on Netflix. You know, I did, you know, concerts and festivals. Like I created those concerts and festivals. That was me. That was my idea, my pitch. I created it, right? With the top artists in the world, right? Like Anderson Putt, Erica Badu, most mm-hmm. Dev Talib, Talib Q-Tip. Like, come on, man. Like they're legends. All of them are literally legends in the game. And it was just like, you know, if you don't understand your why and your passion, you know, then you're not going to, you're not going to be in it the way that you want to be in it, that you should be in it. That's going to be long lasting. So. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, David, they say that success is a state of mind and it's a process and not an event. However, a lot of successful people, they can pinpoint a time or day when, uh, or a certain event, like where uh, a certain mental shift happened. And then from that point on, they started succeeding at whatever they did. What was that moment for you? That moment for me was when, you know, that moment when the mental shift happened for me was when I really took it to another level of believing in myself, right? Like, oh yeah, like I can do this, right? Like, because sometimes you just get down on yourself, right? That's just normal, right? But being when I was able to take a, when I when I was able to be have more compassion for myself and be more patient with myself and take a step back and really uh, see, you know, like I said, when I found my why, right, and I was able to put myself in position to win when I really found my why because I started marching in the direction where everything just sort of kind of making sense. And then, you know, I was able to, I found myself picking up more energy, right? Picking up more steam, taking, you know, taking incentive, you know, in, in certain things like, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and finding ideas where I didn't know that there were, and like, Oh my gosh. And then taking action on those, creating strategy and plan around those ideas and then taking action around those ideas and then manifesting those ideas into reality. And so when you're able to do that, that's when you're able, because you're able to start seeing things from from when you find the why around what it is that you're doing, you're able to look at, if you say, for instance, you have a product, you're able to look at your product through the lens of your, your, you know, you're able to open your mind up and your imagination around it. And you're able to wrap your brain around it and work around it all day because you don't care anymore because just, you know, your why is so strong, right? And you're able to look at it through, through the lens of the, of the demographic or the, or the purchaser. And you're able to find all these different ways and approaches that really, you know, uh, improve your business and, and really help you to reach out to the demographic in such a way. And so really, just finding all these different ways how to apply, you know, how to do that. And then just taking your why and just running with it, right? And that's really it. Because when you do that, it just really opens up a lot of parts of yourself that you didn't know were possible. And it really brings energy 
to whatever your business idea is. And it really brings the passion. Not only that, when you find your why, when you're able to sell, when you're, when you're talking or you're pitching to someone about your business idea, it just organically, when you're telling them about it, why you're doing what you're doing, and then you tell them what it is you're doing. And then, you know, then you grasp them and you pull on their heartstrings and then they understand your why. And then when you're telling them your why, right, and then you're looking at it through the lens of the person that you're talking to or the lens of the, the, the end users or whatever your demographic is, right, then they're looking at it in a way where they're buying into it now, right? They're personally buying into your story. Your story is not your story anymore. It's now their story too, right? And then they're looking at it and they're like, man, I can see how this story can be everyone's story because you're sharing your why with them and you're really not just communicating with them on a business level, you're communicating with them on a spiritual level, right? Then it's a lot easier to do what it is that you want to do. And, and get your message out there and build community and all of that. So no, I, I totally agree. Like why is the why is super important. A lot of people, they don't seem to know their why, or they think they know their why, but it's on a superficial level, but it's like about going those layers deep. And then that's when the emotions come out, the passion. So I totally agree with what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Because you could, someone can tell you their why and you'd be like, man, that was deep at all, bro. That was fake. <laughs> like, like, like you get like, you have this great product, but you give me some BS reason as to why, and then it's like, man, it's like, usually a lot of people say money, but like, I feel like that's pretty superficial, you know. Uh, like they need to go deeper than that. Right. What is the problem you're solving? Why? Right. What are you doing? Why is this so important? You know, like, yeah. Look, there's a lot of coaching programs out there. There's a ton, you know, and they're all great. A lot of them are, you know, really great. But why are the Tony Robbins selling the way, you know? Why is it, you know, what is the thing that separates them? What's the dif- this is what's the what's the differentiator? You know, like the the solid the the thing that anchors you to, you know, the general public's, you know, mind, like to make you that that thing that pops up. You know, the household name. What is that? What is that? No, totally. Yeah, it's it we have to go deep into it. But so David, um, what's the one thing you wish you had known before you started playing football? And what would you advise somebody that's just starting off in your field and like they, they need to know something before they start off? Build a Google around you. And what I mean by that is build a community of living people around you who you can go ask questions to and learn good knowledge from, like solid information from, right? If you're in whatever your field is, like build a Google around you. So you got, you're a football player or whatever, right? Just for example, or here, entrepreneur, right? All right. So I want someone who knows business law in my circle. I want someone who knows, you know, IP. I want someone who knows, you know, sales or whatever. Build a community around you of people who are just really cool that you can even hang, that you can hang out with, or you know, from time to time you go meet up at conferences or whatever. Build that community 
with you, even when you're in high school, right? Join all the groups because those people are going to grow up to be somebody <laughs> someday. And usually the ones that are in all the extracurricular activities are going to want to, they're going to grow up to be the ones that are going to be something someday, right? Build those Google people when you're, even when you're young, build, put people in your circle who are lawyers, who are doctors, who are whatever, build that Google around you so you can go ask the questions, you know, and, and get, you know, because you can, when you have those people and you get strategy from those people, right? You get firsthand experience, you get knowledge, you get contacts, you get connections, you get um, internships, you get, you know, all that's how that happens, right? Because, and then when you do that and you built that Google around you, you built that community around you, 75% of jobs are gotten by people they, you know, <laughs> they're gotten by, this is gotten by someone who, who knows them, right? Mm -hmm. that you can look that up it's on google and so build that google around you at a young age so when you're going you already got this system down packed you have a community with you ever wherever you go you know how to tap into other communities and that will make you very strong in a in you know whatever it is that you're doing whether it be business just that 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 weapon that to that tool in your toolkit understanding how to communicate and build a community, that is one of the best things that you could do for yourself because, you know, it, it's, it's about who you know, not what you know in a lot of cases. And, you know, you have to make sure you know people straight up. So, I mean, it is what it is, bro. Yeah. You're not getting in a club unless you know the bouncer or you know the owner of the club. You know, like a kind of like a harsh reality that's not about meritocracy more than it's i mean it is part of it but it's also about who you know so yeah and so so david uh they say that america is the land of the free and the place where dreams are made do you agree or disagree with that uh i mean i mean you can make a chance you can definitely do whatever you i want to say the land of the free in the home of the brave, but you can definitely come here and, you know, cause you know, politically there's just things that are going on, but, and that's just, is what it is. But business wise, when you want to create something out here, right. And you have, and you, you have a plan, right. <clears throat> if you don't have the money, you can, if you're creative and resourceful, like I was saying, it's who, you know, right. Then you can, figure out a way to make, make it happen, to manifest it. If you have a plan and you have the resources, whether they be monetarily, and if you don't have monetarily and you can figure out a way to partner with somebody or do something like that, then you can do it. Yes. Is there information? You know, yes, you can do that. If you want to come out here and be an entrepreneur and you're creative and you're resourceful, then yes. So, okay. so, you know, a lot of Americans, they're ha like, they have challenges like when it comes to realizing the American dream, right? So what do you think is like the biggest hurdle that they're facing and how do you think they could overcome it when it comes to the American dream? So like the American dream, like, you mean like just come out here, work the nine to five and, and live and support your family type of situation? Right? Yeah, it's like, 
I would say it's different for different people, right? Like for some, it's like the white picket, white house, fan, like the, the fence with the house, with two kids for others, it's achieving their goals and dream, like whatever vision is that they have. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, you can come out here and achieve your goal. And there's always somebody you could sell it, whatever it is that you want to sell. Right. Like, yeah. Like if you want to come out here and create a business, absolutely come out here and do it come prepared you know and and have your business plan ready and and you know come in when you just make sure you come into america make sure you have your business plan ready start reaching out to people in america wherever you're from and start building your network before you come out here right so you can start because like if you want it like you said you just the, the white picket fence and all that or you know your career goals you know, start reaching out. And I hope I'm answering your question. Start reaching out to people so you can start building the resources that you need to. So when you get here, that the, the, the American dream is actually American dream. And you're not, you know, you don't hit the ground and stumble and fall and end up on the street somewhere. You know, like start coming out here, build your resources like you guys. Like, you know, like you're you're extremely resourceful, bro. And you have a lot of people around you. And, you know, like whatever, you know, and it's just like, and I'm sure that helps because it helps me. Right. And so, and, and that is one of the good things. That's like one of the, like one of the best things about you is that you, you know, everybody, you have a lot of people around. So it's just like, that helps. And I'm, you know, like, and, you know, it just helps you branch off into whatever it is that you want to do, but just, you know, reach out to people out here, start building those connections in that community with yourself already and then you know come out here and visit america and then visit or your friend a pen pal right and then or whatever it is that you want to do if you if that's if you have those resources available to you but you know tap your toes in the water first plan out your vision you know because you know hope is not a plan right plan it out plan out your vision first start reaching out to people in the americas or whatever that already are on the, the same way that you're doing, use them as a resource, as a mentor. People in America love to mentor people, right? So start, start you know, doing that. Be like, I'm coming to America and I want to do this. I just want to pick some, I just want to pick your brain for some information. I, I'm looking for some knowledge on this, on how to do this, because I want to come to America and do this. You know, they might hire you on. They'll be like, man, you know, you know, hey, you know, you can come over here on a working visa, you know, like, I mean, because people do, people in America go in other places and doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like, you know, they're going to South Africa, they're going to Spain, they're going to Europe, and they're doing that. So, I mean, yeah. I see. Um, so, David... You know, uh, American identity is about the pursuit of happiness and the opportunity for a better life, right? So how, how do you think your the lessons you've learned as being as an NFL player can be applied towards achieving that identity? Because a lot of Americans want to achieve happiness, but they don't know how, how, how to go about doing that. And regarding the opportunity for a better life, like regarding all the inflation and the debt and the stacked wages that's been going on in the country, they feel a lot of very disheartened, you know? So what would be your advice to them? I kind of didn't understand that question. Um, so basically, basically, like a lot of people, they want to achieve, like they want to pursue happiness. You know, American identity is about 
freedom, opportunity for a better life and a pursuit and the pursuit of happiness. But a lot of like Americans are due to the COVID pandemic and due to inflation and debt, like they are pretty disheartened about achieving their goals and their dreams. But like as an NFL player, you have this thing of like succeeding no matter no matter what, you know, like the, like it's like a kind of like a one percenter type of thinking because otherwise you would not have been in the NFL. So what advice would you give to to uh, to Americans about yeah. yeah, yeah, no problem. So um well to about that is like, yeah, you know, uh, recessions happen all the time, right? You know, you have twenty nine, the Great Depression, you know, and then you have all the others that they've had over the decades, right? And all that's happening is just the shift in in the the energy bubble, right? The the revenue and all that and and, and how it's happening. You know, just like the industrial age, same thing that's happening. And now you're seeing like, you know, in a minute, robots are going to be, you know, <laughs> serving all the restaurants. Those jobs are not even going to be a thing anymore. And so it's just like, um, it's, it's just like find out how, you know, it's, it's online. A lot of it's online education, online platforms, drop shipping or whatever it is. People are finding jobs everywhere else now. They're working online. And so it's just like, or they're working in some other technology or whatever it is. You just got to find out where where the energy is shifting, right? And how you fit, what your strengths are, right? What are the skills that you have that can be applied to there? Whether it's a service, whether it's a skill or, you know, whatever it is like that. That's all, that's all that you got to do. And, and. Because it's not like, yeah, you could be worried about all of that, but that happens all the time and it's going to, and, 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 you know, America's not going anywhere, you know? So you just got to do it that way, bro. And, 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 and because that's what's happening and you just got to be prepared to, and, and the way that you prepare is exactly what I was saying, right? Build your resources, get to know some people, right? Because you can't, you're not going to end up nowhere if you don't know anybody. And to, to get in the door and then understand it's like, all right, well, what's going on? Understand the surroundings and then understand how you fit into that, right? How you improve that environment, right? What are some of the things that you can bring to the space to just make things a little bit easier for everybody? And, th- and that's really it, bro. So. Totally. So, you know, in the last few years, there's obviously been like a deterioration in the car, but not only that, also in the family unit and the government, where do you think America is headed and should we be optimistic about the future? Um, yeah, you should be optimistic about the future, but you should also be careful because you never know what's going to happen. And, um, you know, just like I said, be prepared. If you're going to enter into a space, make sure you enter into a ground space and not something that's, you know, on its way out. And, you know, I feel like it's pretty easy to identify what that is now. Is this something green or technology or, you know, whatever? It's something like that, online-based education, whatever, things like that. Yeah, but I think it's going to be fine. It's just make sure when you're prepared, when you come in here and you're preparing where you're going to place yourself, place yourself in a place that's thriving in, in nutrient-dense soil so you can continue growing Well you know, everything else is sort of drowning out. No, totally. So, David, um, I know that you've had, uh, you've done this college-accredited course called The Game Within the Game. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, that and uh, the premise of it and how it got started regarding that? Oh, most definitely. So the game within the game is a college accredited course through knowledge innovation and Forbes business school. And it's a course that's for student athletes by professional athletes, Reggie and myself. And, um, it's a six week online course and you could take it at your own pace, but it really helps you to understand who you are, what are your strengths, your, you know, your weaknesses. And then like we were talking about earlier, what's your why, right? Why are you doing this? Right. Not just within the sport, but then outside of the sport as well. What's your why? You know, and so it's just uh, and really giving you this, the tools and the structure that you need and, and really introducing it to a, a fluid strategy and coping mechanisms to prepare you. And also, you know, some understanding like your environment, um, your your, uh, you know, communicating with your coaches and uh, communicating with your teammates and understanding the, 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 the role between you and your coaches and their situation. Like they're not your, they're not your parents, you know, they're not your uncle, you know, they're not your, this is in high school that they, you know, their success or their job, this is their job for them. If they don't win, then they get fired. Right. So if you don't win and you're not producing, then you're getting fired too. You're not even, you're not your position anymore. And, you know, and that's the same thing that is, it is in your career as well. And so, that's that's what this course is and you know the the reason why we made this course is because we like we were talking about there are a lot of people going through things a lot of student athletes that are dealing with this these uh these things that in coming up coming up through uh high school and college sports that really send a lot of people off edge because they're not prepared they don't have a frame for themselves a structure a framework to help guide them and keep them on the straight and narrow and they end up getting distracted by everything else, absolutely everything else around them. And, and, and then they end up falling off, you know? Uh, so, you know, even at UCLA where I was at, you know, we have resources there, but there was, you know, there, there was no real structure and the people weren't really communicating to the heart of the athletes uh, with this issue. And that's what we did with this today. So, and it's not just for the student athletes, it is for, you know, our, you know, for high school and, College has this dual credit program, which means that high schools that offer the bridge program or dual credit, the high school students can take it and receive college credit for it as well, right? It's a high school and college credit at the same time, but it's also for the parents because the parents of these student athletes need to know this as well because you know you need to be uh, you need to be a resource for your child, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know that was an issue. Growing up, even with my brother and I, luckily, yeah, we made it. We both made it. We all made it. But my mom and dad did not know what they were doing. They were literally just kind of swinging in the dark and hoping that they figured it out, right? And hoping they made the right decisions. And then when they didn't, and they, you know, then they were like, oh, my bad. You know, they were, I tried. You know, I tried my best. I tried my best. But, you know, and that and that's something that is commonplace. There's a lot of parents that are momagers and, and, and fathers are messing it up for their, for their kids. So uh, having that framework, and then also it would help with communication as well. We're not just between the parent and the student athlete, but also the student athlete and the coach. So. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. So David, uh, I know that you're doing this course called the top athlete life. Uh, can you give us, can you give our audience a little bit 
or glimpse into what that is and what that is about? Yes. So Top Athlete Life is uh is the is it's very similar to Game Within the Game and really under giving you that same, you know, professional athlete mindset, right? Giving you that framework. And then like I was saying, and this is more corporate wellness uh driven. And like I was saying earlier, you know, especially in the corporate space, a lot of the companies are tech companies or, you know, research and development companies. And they do a lot of like, you know, tech sprints and code sprints and um, you know, um weight turnarounds and it's a lot of research and development, you know, build, measure, learn, feedback loop. And in football, that is a that's what football is. It's a constant build, measure, learn, feedback loop that you're doing for 16 weeks out of the year and you're doing it on a huge stage. And so giving them giving top athlete life to be the top athlete in your life is giving you that mindset, the framework that you need to, you know, evaluate yourself. And like I said, constructive criticism, productive constructive criticism, because a lot of people are thinking that they're, you know, doing constructive criticism that you're not. You're just criticizing yourself and tearing yourself down. You're, you're, you're constructively criticizing, you're constructively criticizing yourself with the purpose and moving forward, identifying what your issues are, identifying who you are, what your, what your lane is, you know, what your role is in this lane, and how do you move forward in this and be as a, you know, to be a, a, the best part of the, of, the, of the team as you possibly can, and while being a leader to yourself and the people around you, right? And, and so, and that's how that, that's what the, the top athlete life does. And it's really, you know, it's really doing a lot of that working on communication between the, the team and the coaches, coaches and team, and, or, you know, the team and the team. So it's, that's what a lot of that is. So we're doing that as well. And that's also online and, and you know, we're doing that as well. So I would definitely recommend this to my audience because it's about, about it's about like what you could be in any field or industry and it still applies, you know, because it's about the top 1% or way of thinking. So, yeah. All right. right. That's why when you look at sales, you know, when they're doing sales, you know, they go after the, 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 the athletes, you know, former student athletes, because they want that mindset that. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So that's what we're, we're definitely teaching that aspect, but it's an elevated, but also we're, we're identifying where those, those tools, right? Where those skill sets translate into the business setting, right? Into the corporate setting as well. So. Okay. So where can our audience go to connect with you and get to see more of the work that you're doing? So I'm available on LinkedIn with David Carter. And then also on, you know, the game within the game.com. So the game within the game.com and then uh, topathletelife.com. Awesome. Okay. Well, David, uh, the, I would, uh, I would like to, this is like the end of the show and I would like to conclude by saying thank you so much. And we definitely would like you to come back to the show at a later date. Um, I want to conclude by saying, telling all my extra fellow extra Americans that, hey, there's a fellow, there's an extraordinary within each and every one of us and it's our job to unleash and empower them. And that's all I have to say for now. Uh, thank you, David, for coming to the show. I appreciate it. Hey there everyone, thank you for watching Extraordinary America. 
If you like what you see, please do subscribe to our podcast and share it with others. Remember that the best investment that you can make in your lifetime is in your own financial education, for it is knowledge that truly sets you free. Also remember that uh, your purchasing power is being diluted through inflation, and then the practical thing to do is to protect the loss of your purchasing power by investing in precious metals or the right cryptocurrencies. Also, never forget that you are an extraordinary American. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.